Welcome to From the Medium, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Welcome back. I am Molly Smith, your host. I want to remind you all that our program is available for download. You can do so by going to our website from themedian.org. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Our guest right now joining me is Pamela Acker. Pamela is an author. She's also a researcher. Pamela holds a Master's of Science degree in Biology from the Catholic University of America. She has taught natural sciences in a variety of settings from middle school to college since 2008. Prior to working as a teacher, Pamela was involved in biological research as a whole genome library maker at the Genome Sequencing Center in Washington University in St. Louis. She has conducted research and vaccine delivery using T4 and Pamela will tell you about all the things she's done there because it's way too complicated for me to understand. <laughs> so Pamela, it's so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for taking time to come on the show. Oh, thanks for having me back, Molly. I really appreciate it. You know, there's all kinds of stuff still popping up and still out there about vaccines and the mm-hmm. use of particular compounds or, or, or material in vaccines that really became a huge issue during the COVID-19 pandemic across the world and Mm -hmm. and then the push to have us all be vaccinated. And and I'm using that very loosely because it was never a vaccination, as we all know. It was an injection. It was a jab. But it sort of did pop up the whole idea of vaccines and what actually are we doing with these vaccines? What are they good? Are they bad? It doesn't matter. You know, it's not going to do you any harm. Yes, it is going to do you harm. You know, I've been listening to all of this going backwards and forwards and looking at and then going back into my own life and thinking, you know, there might be something in some of this stuff. I remember my children extremely sick. I remember this t- type of stuff happening. So it's become a very much a topical uh, topic right now. You've done a lot of research in that. T- tell us, firstly, give us a little bit of background on that. Sure. So I started my master's, well, actually, I started a PhD program um, at Catholic University of America in 2010. And I was Upon applying to Dr. Vinagala Rao's lab, I was immediately accepted. And he was working using a T4 bacteriophage, which is a virus that normally infects E. coli, so it's safe to use in human beings. He was trying to take that um, vaccine or that virus platform and turn it into a usable vaccine. And I was super interested in that because I wanted to work in vaccine development because of the issue with aborted fetal cells and vaccines. And I learned about this back in the 90s um, from the website Children of God for Life, which is still a great resource on aborted fetal tissue used in vaccines. And I was very excited about getting involved in these projects, but they were working at the time on anthrax and plague which was also cool because I'm a military brat. So I was like, oh, hey, I could develop an anti-bioterrorism vaccine. That'd be that'd be doubly cool. But they started working on an HIV vaccine right as soon as I joined the lab. And unfortunately, the HIV vaccine, um, I found out about eight months, nine months later, was using aborted fetal tissue. And so even though my part of the project wasn't using any tissue that was unethical, one of my colleagues was actually using the HEK293 cells um, that were used in the production of the COVID-19 vaccines. 
um, and that were derived from a baby that was aborted in the 1970s. So I I left the project and then ultimately left Catholic U without a PhD, just with a master's instead, even though I'd done um, almost all of the co- coursework and quite a bit of research. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. Um, wow. I just decided that I couldn't be involved with um, the production of aborted fetal vaccines. So that's, that's kind of how I got started in all of this. And then... Um, about a year before COVID even hit, um, maybe a year and a half, my current employer, um, Mr. Hugh Owen of the Colby Center for the Study of Creation, asked me to start looking into vaccines because he was concerned about um, the safety profiles and some of the ethical issues um, it, more deeply than I was concerned. I already at that point knew that the HPV vaccine was unsafe and that the flu vaccine had a lot of reactions associated with it. But I was still pretty convinced that the normal childhood vaccines were were A-OK, just like the CDC says, you know, safe and effective. Um, and he asked me to read into it. And I actually, <laughs> I fell and broke my ankle, which is what gave me the time to to start on that. And I ended up writing the book that you mentioned earlier, Vaccination, a Catholic Perspective, which we published uh, just before the COVID um, stuff received its emergency youth use authorization. So it was in December of 2020. So it's been a very interesting uh, ride since then because I've I've gotten to speak out about this and uh, publicly in a way that I never imagined would be part of my job description. I thought uh, when I started writing the book, I thought, well, only a couple of people on the fringe are going to read this. It's not going to be that important. Um, and then it turned to you know to this massive. Um, issue that everybody's everybody's talking about everybody's aware of you know yeah. because the the use of aborted fetal cells and vaccines really came into the forefront i think with these two vaccines because it was done publicly there was a lot of time between the time that it, that it was made known and the time the vaccine was made available and so people actually had the opportunity to say hey you know why why can't we turn this around why aren't we doing anything about this um and think about it a little bit more than than they think about it when you walk into your your pediatrician's office and they say, okay, it's time for the MMR. And yeah. you know, you don't, yep. you don't stop to ask yourself, well, wait, is this vaccine produced ethically? I don't know. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been an interesting it's few years. It's been a whirlwind for, for Pamela Acker, for sure. I know you've, <laughs> you know, you, you spoke at our convention um, to, uh, in 2022 and, mm-hmm. and you probably, your, your presentation was one of the most um, followed um, on, on our, on our website afterwards, you know, and, and the questions and the people contacting me to say, oh, that was amazing. How can we get, you know, how can we get the book, all that kind of stuff. So I know it mm-hmm. was very well received and, and, and continues to be very well received. It's certainly awoken a sleeping giant here because <laughs> prior to the, prior to this all happening and, and to the information that you've made available to in a very, in a very, um, layman, uh, perspective. So that's, it's not very, you know, it's, it's, it's very scholarly, but it's very easy to read. So it's one of those kinds of, uh, resources that are, that are absolutely key for us to be able to un- to make good decisions going forward. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the, the uh, about your work. I mean, here you are thinking that you're going to become a, a you know, you're going to get your doctorate and ends up probably being more effective by not getting the doctorate and going. <laughs> Isn't that funny? God is so good when we follow what he wants us to do. It's amazing. I cannot yeah. even start to imagine Pamela what it must have been like for you to make that decision to step away from something that you knew was unethical. And that's something 
then I think we all need to understand that God does not, he blesses those that do that. I mean, we face this all the time with the push that we have with, you know, with people saying to us, oh, you know, come on, just, you know, just allow exceptions. There needs to be exceptions in abortions. You've got to, you rape and incest and fetal anomalies. You've got to allow for that. You know, if, if you allow for that, then we, then we'll support it and you'll get, you know, get all the, everything you need. How can you support something that you know is not is against God's will. So it's that type of thing that I, so I so empathize with, with what you, what you went through because, it, and, and you were even worse, you know, more, more so than we did, than we do are, are, are doing right now. But right now there is something that I, I would like for us to talk about. It's called Dara and I can't pronounce the, the, the um, the, 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 the scientific name, but it's, uh, it's an it's FDA. Dara, Dara Tumamab, I think is how you say it. Um, Dara Tumamab. <laughs> whatever, however. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just call it Dara for me. Um, it's right. an FDA approved treatment for multiple myeloma. Tell us about this, yes. but, and the, the reason why you are concerned about this. Sure. So, um, over the past few years, I've met a number of people. Um, some of them actually at, at your conference was, I think, where I first started in questions, but then people will email into the Colby Center asking me, Hey, I'm taking this medication. And I'd like to know whether it's connected to abortion or not, because your average person, I mean, they don't put it in the ads, you know, that they, yeah. they play on TV. By the way, this was made using abortive fetal cells. Um, in fact, that information is usually hidden away in a patent or in um, if there's a paper that's published on it, the original research paper. Um, and it's usually hidden away in the materials and methods section. And it just is a very simple reference of, you know, OHUK293 was was transfected with blah, 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 blah. And, you know, once a layperson gets to the word transfected, they're like, wait, I, I already don't understand, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's hard for your average person to figure out if their medicine is ethical or if it's abortion tainted. So I've gotten a lot of questions about that over the years. And one of the most notable ones was actually um, earlier this year, there was a, a woman from Michigan whose husband contacted me. She's She was suffering from multiple myeloma. Um, which is a, a pretty aggressive cancer. And they'd gone through multiple rounds of treatment, the regular treatments that were covered by the insurance companies. And now the doctors at the Mayo Clinic were telling her, you really need to take this new monoclonal antibody, daratumumab. Um, and I'm only saying the, the whole name because the, the, the ending is important, that, that MAB ending, M-A-B, actually stands for monoclonal antibody. So if you're taking a drug that ends in MAB, you can be pretty sure it's a monoclonal antibody. And that's helpful for people to know because these are some of the drugs that are more likely to be connected to abortion, unfortunately, um, because a, an antibody is a protein and a protein is a very, very complex um, molecular mo or molecular um construction. And so when they made the, the mRNA vaccines, uh, they could make those in a test tube because DNA and mRNA are relatively simple molecules. They're built out of four building blocks and it's very time consuming and intensive, but you can actually construct them block by block um, in, the, in a test tube. Proteins, you can't do that because proteins have a very a unique three-dimensional conformation that's specific to the individual protein. So every antibody has a specific three-dimensional shape that is slightly different from every other antibody. And you actually need a whole uh, host of molecular machinery to fold that into its proper shape. So to get an antibody, to get a monoclonal antibody, 
for research in the laboratory, they actually have to put um, the the antibody target, the thing that they want to develop an antibody to, into a living organism. And then that organism with its complete immune system will produce antibodies. The scientists will um, filter out the antibodies they will they will determine which, if any of them, are clinically relevant, and then they can take um, the the sequence for that antibody. They can tra- translate it back into DNA, and then they can take that DNA and put it into cell culture and have the cells just produce the antibody. So it's it's kind of a complicated um, system because proteins themselves are so complicated. So with Dara. Um, uh, the the concern that these folks in Michigan had was that it was connected with um, HEK293 cells and humanized mice. Now, the, the humanized mice that they used were, thanks be to God, not uh, made using aborted fetal tissue, although a number of humanized mice models are made using aborted fetal tissue. And this is a really big concern because once you humanize a mouse, it, it, it can't reproduce other humanized mice. You have to graft human tissue onto a new mouse every time you need a new one for an experiment. So this is an ongoing use of, of human tissue, and often it's an ongoing use of human fetal tissue. Hmm. So Dara checked out um, for the humanized mouse. It wasn't, that one wasn't unethical, but the HEK293 cells, which were um, derived from that baby that was aborted in the 70s, um, they, that, that did not check out. So what happened was the researchers um, were trying to direct an antibody to a protein marker called CD38, which they thought would um, destroy the multiple myeloma. And so they took um, some CD38 DNA and they put that into HEK293 cells. And the HEK293 cells produced the CD38 and then they injected that into mice and the mice produced the antibody. Hmm. So if they hadn't used aborted fetal cells, this drug would not exist because they used the aborted fetal cells to manufacture the the um, target that they injected into the mice, and then the mice produced an antibody directly in, as a result of that um, target that was produced in, in these HEK293 cells. So this is just one of the ways that... Um, aborted fetal cells can be used in manufacturing monoclonal antibodies. They can be used to make the target for the antibody. They can also actually be used to make the antibodies themselves. Um, That wasn't the case with DARA, but it it is the case with some uh, monoclonal antibodies that when they want to actually start manufacturing them at a large scale, they'll transfect the the HEK293 cells, which basically just means they'll put the genetic information for the antibody into those cells, mm-hmm. and then those cells will produce the antibody, and then and then you're taking the antibody. Hmm. So, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. How I mean, and and you know, as you mentioned, this with this this aborted child, this little girl, as far as I know, um, was aborted back in 2000, and they used the cells up, you know, after she, and in fact, she was, um, and I forget the whole story with that, how it goes with it, but but that it doesn't matter how long ago it was that right it does not matter folks because it happened in 2000 in the 70s makes no difference we are still using compromised um scientific methods in order to be able to get what we want we are yeah. we are destroying a human life to to be able to supposedly save other lives and we probably do save them but at what cost so i think you know there's that right. whole there's that whole 
ethical part that comes in then you know that yeah. if you just focus on the on the re, on the research and the science it probably looks fine but it's not because where did it come right. from <laughs> right you know? right yeah yeah we have to remember the overarching principle that evil may never be done that good may come of it exactly. you know god being god can bring good out of evil because he's god but we're human beings and we can't do evil and and bring good out of it that's not something that we're actually permitted to do and so that's one of the profound misunderstandings of our culture i think we we just sort of exist under this this idea that evil may be done that good may come of it and that's totally antithetical to the faith Absolutely. and then the other thing i think people don't understand um with the remote material cooperation argument, because it's it's one of the most um, difficult arguments to make in moral theology that that you may actually participate um, with evil, and, and only when the evil is remote, and it's only when the participation is material. So, if you formally support abortion, you know, you're that's not material participation; that's formal. Your will's involved. Then, then you become you know seriously culpable. But when you're talking about the the abortion being remote a lot of people think well since it was 50 years ago it was remote well that's not what remote means remote means that it's distant from you in terms of in terms of the actual sin committed right so what we have is a, a is a profound misunderstanding because according to dignitas personae which is the most recent vatican uh, and the most recent and the most authoritative um vatican document on bioethics in general um, they're, they're t they talk in there about aborted fetal tissue that's used in pharmaceuticals, and they call it um, uh, biological material of illicit origin. And so they make it very clear that the original abortion is is a grave sin, right? So grave grave means mortal. That means the kind that will send you to hell. Yeah. Um, so they 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 make it very clear that the original abortion is a grave sin they don't address um the things that i addressed in, in my talk at, at your conference which was the fact that it, it's not actually abortion they're not taking a dead baby and creating a cell line they actually have to um deliver babies live and then uh extract cells from them um, while they are still alive and that's all documented extremely well in um, the polio research that goes all the way back to the 1930s um, how that was done and how that happened. So you have, this is a, a serious, a grave, sadistic sin, you know, another mortal sin, the kind that will send you straight to hell. Well, then Dignitas Personae makes it very clear. And I've, I've run this by a bishop because I wasn't sure I don't speak bishop ease. <laughs> you know, I, I, I speak uh, scientific technical language. So I said, well, I just want to make sure I'm not reading this incorrectly. But it seems to me like the way that Dignitas Personae is phrased indicates that the use of this illicit biological material, these aborted fetal cell lines, by a researcher, that used by the researcher itself is actually a mortal sin. And he said, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you have the grave sin of abortion, you have the grave sin of a vivisection, so you're cutting up the little baby while it's still alive, then you have the grave sin of using the products of these these previous sins. So you have sin, 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 and then you have a pharmaceutical that's produced, and then you take that pharmaceutical, right? You are not remote, yeah, exactly. From those sins. Exactly. You are proximate. You are, to those you are sins. participating in exactly. Mm. Yes. Exactly. You know, you're very, very close to those sins because you have sin, 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 drug you. Yeah. Exactly right. right. So that, that's the best way I've ever heard it. And I'm going to go sin, 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 drug you. 
I love that. I love it. It, it's, it really does bring it down to exactly what we're talking about here. So, mm-hmm. so th- there's, there's another, um, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get through because, oh my goodness, Pamela, whenever I get you on the show, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like, uh, I want to, I want to keep you on for two hours. It's like, oh goodness gracious. So, so there is, there's also, and we won't get into too much detail, but there is another, um, a, a, a treatment, a VX880, which is a treatment, a clinical trial for type 1 diabetes that is also yes. using embryonic stem cell, correct? Yeah, yeah. So this is a, it's a slightly different um, platform. So there's a difference between a cell line and a stem cell that, that I think gets confused in people's minds. So a cell line is is something that's taken out of one uh, original uh, source, of uh, yeah. one original individual. Yeah. I wanted to say donor, but they're not really donating the tissue, so that's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. one one original individual, the cells are taken out of that individual. They're mutated in the laboratory, and then they're they're um, grown in culture. So that involves uh, one death per cell line uh, in a technical sense. Often it involves more deaths than that because they it takes a while to actually perfect the methods of making a cell line. So, for example, the, the cell line that's used in the MMR vaccine, um, I, I think it was the 32nd abortion right, yeah. um, by those researchers. So, um, so it's not, it's, it, but it's, it's still a, a limited number of, of deaths. When you're talking about stem cells, you are talking about actually creating and destroying human embryos in the laboratory. So you're talking about in vitro fertilization, allowing those newly uh, conceived human beings to develop to a certain point and then taking the cells apart and, and doing experiments on them. So you have ongoing constant creation and destruction of human life. And Dignitas Personae is even more clear about how horrible this is, how completely unethical it is for researchers to be involved in this. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Even then the, the use of the abortive fetal cells. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, like a mortal sin is a mortal sin is a mortal sin. They're all going to send you to hell. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. So exactly. Um, when Very we talk about a more serious mortal sin, it's, it's, we're talking about, you know, grades of, of, of spiritual death. Yeah. It's all still spiritual death. It's all spiritual death. Exactly. So we've got about five minutes, actually four minutes left. Um, Tell me, tell people where they can find, and also I, I want to mention before we actually get there, I want to make sure that people know you are working with the Colby Center. Um, and I'm going to put up a big, big plug out there right now. Colby Center needs our support folks. They need, they, it's a research center. It's the most amazingly ethical place. It's, it's, this is where we're finding out all of this stuff. They need to be fin- financially supported. If any of you are listening to this, um, where can they go to, to support you and your work? So there, there are two different places they can go to support the work that I do because the Colby Center um, let me know in October that um, because we're a, a privately funded organization, there's insufficient funding for me to continue to do this full time next year. And there's definitely demand. Um, yeah. I'm going to try to update the vaccine book um, and get a second edition out. Um, that's in the works with a new chapter on polio, a new chapter on COVID, a new chapter on abortion. Um, and then there's, there's of course, all the people that write into us. And there's a couple other books that are in the works, too. So... Um, in order for them to keep me employed, there's there's two places you can go to donate and help out. And one of them is the Colby Center's website itself. That's K-O-L-B-E center dot O-R-G. Um, and if you're really fancy, you can do slash donate and you'll get right to the donate tab. But if you go to the landing page uh, for the Colby Center for the study of creation, you can find the donate tab and you can make a donation there. And if you do that, if you could please do it in um, in my name, just put in the note there that it's for Pamela Acker. It will go directly to support this research, um, particularly about 
vaccines and abortion and pharmaceuticals and abortion. Right. Um, And then you can also go to give, send, go, um, which is give, send, go.com and search for my name, which is Pamela Acker. It should spell it correctly. It's P-A-M-E-L-A and then A-C-K-E-R. No S at the end. People like to add an S at the end. (laughs) But uh, if you go to give, send, go and type in Pamela Acker, you can actually support me directly. Um, So then that that donation is not tax deductible. But since that donation is a gift, that means that I don't have to pay self-employment taxes on it. (laughs) So um, there there are two different ways. As a struggling researcher, we know that that (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good thing. Absolutely. Pam, just quickly tell people where they can go to find out if the vaccines that they're using are tainted. You you, you mentioned that. If you want to find if vaccines are tainted, you go to COG4LIFE, C-O-G-F-O-R-LIFE.org. And they have all the information on the vaccines that are created using abortifetal cells. They have the papers and the references and everything else. They have some additional information on other drugs. They don't have everything. It it takes a lot of research to track this stuff down. So if there's something you're concerned about, you can also go to the Colbe Center webpage. Again, that's K-O-L-B-E center.org. And you can type in the contact us page. You can, you can type in an email to me that will get forwarded to me. And then I will, I will do my best to sleuth out for you whether your pharmaceutical is, is ethical or not. Perfect. Pamela Acker, as always, it's so, and we've run out of time, but it's, it's so interesting. <laughs> we've got to keep getting you back on. If you've, if you find anything new that you want to put out there, please let us know. We'd love to get you back on. Sure. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. God bless you lots. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining me this evening. As I say goodnight and God bless each and every one of you, I'd like to close with the words of the Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel. There may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. From the Median is listener supported. Visit our website, fromthemedian.org, for further information or to make a donation to continue to make this radio program possible. Email us, radionews at fromthemedian.org or call 440-668-4049. Through our fromthemedian.org website, you can download this or previous programs for your listening pleasure or sign up to receive our weekly preview of upcoming guest interviews. Tune in every weeknight at the same time to listen to another great interview on From the Median as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. This program has been sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content.